The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Hi, I'm Reverend Linda Martella Witset with Silent Unity, reminding you that we are here for you during the holidays to support you with affirmative prayer and inspiration. From all of us at Silent Unity, we wish you a beautiful and blessed holiday season. Welcome to Spirit of Recovery, offering support for your spiritual growth and addiction recovery. Here's Reverend Lonnie Vanderslice and Reverend Dan Beckett. Welcome to Spirit of Recovery on Unity Online Radio. We're glad you're with us today, and I am Reverend Lonnie Vanderslice. And I'm Reverend Dan Beckett. And together we discuss ways that spirituality and recovery intertwine and work together to support your spiritual growth in your recovery journey. And so today's show is meant to be an interactive discussion. If you're listening live, you can call in with your comments and questions. And the number is 816-251-3555. Again, the number is 816-251-3555. And Facebook users, you can also connect with us on our Facebook page, Spirit of Recovery, to share your thoughts and comments. So launching right into today's show, we know that when we began our recovery journey, we learned that we had to have a higher power in order to get clean and sober. And later, we realized that we need this same power in order to stay clean and sober. But just how do we create and maintain conscious contact with our higher power? And what do we do with those experiences anyway? Well, this is what we want to focus on today. How to leave a God-connected life, a divinely guided life of joy and freedom. And we'll begin by sharing our own experiences of the kind of suffering and despair that we encounter in active addiction and even in early recovery to some extent. Then we'll move into the solution of living with a higher power. And after the break, we'll share exactly how we use living this God-centered life to move from despair to freedom and joy. You know, it's always interesting to reflect on on this beginning piece. What was it like? You know, what was my challenge and how did I feel? And I just remember, you know, from a being a very small child, not really having a sense of, of guidance in my life. You know, I had a whole lot of don'ts in my life, you know, starting with don't touch that, you know, at two years old. <laughs> and, yeah. and, and, you know, and all the things that go on past that stage. Um, and, you know, the, the Ten Commandments seem to be a list of don'ts to me. I mean, they're not really, but uh, that was the way I interpreted that list. And, um, you know, I was always, I would call it feeling pushed in a direction as opposed to being pulled in a direction or being led or being guided. And so I, I felt really untethered most of my young adulthood, my my youth and my young adulthood. I think I did as well, though. I, I don't feel like I even had the perspective to look see it as such. I know I definitely felt that way 
um, even you know some years into recovery when when of course uh, we, we begin to wake up and our minds begin to function again and so I during that time I was able to become more aware of the things that I you know that I just sort of were were part of the environment before again we often say like like talking to a fish about water you know i'm unaware of the water as a fish but as i um got some sobriety under my belt i I think i was the same that that sort of very uncomfortable disconnected untethered feeling you know I, i in my mind i see an image like of a a weather balloon you know floating floating above the earth and held on by a thread maybe and and just not really uh, fully engaged with the world i don't even think i knew what that meant i don't think i knew what that experience was really like until uh, much later in life so yeah i i have a feeling that that's not uncommon at all uh, for those of us in addiction recovery you know and you you mentioned the word unconnected and and i think that that is, um, I, I don't know that I had any language for that at the time, but when I look back from the perspective I have now, I think that is a, an excellent um, description of how I felt most of my life and thus set me up for addiction in the way that I'm always looking for something to attach to, something to connect to, something to be a part of. And, you know, whether it's the codependency or whether it's substance abuse or whether it's the wrong crowd that I'm hanging out with, you know, I'm. I think it's part of the this, our spiritual nature to look for connection. And so, you know, I, I felt left my childhood feeling like I was pretty much um, on my own, you know, had to figure it out. I didn't like what was going on. I didn't want to do what I was being told to do or what everybody else was doing. So let's just forge forward and make it up as we go. And uh, that's more or less what I did. <laughs> Yeah, I have similar uh, memories. The the way they show up in me is uh, I always had a strong um, desire to or sense of uh, that I just want to do it myself. Leave me alone. I'll take care of it myself. You know, I didn't want to have to be dependent on other people. I wanted to be able to do whatever it is needed doing. I wanted to be able to do it on my own uh, because I think I felt safest that way. And again, you know, when we're talking about early life especially, I know that I um, was having these experiences without really even understanding what was going on. Only later did I, say, develop the the perspective and the vocabulary to be able to talk about it. But as we talked about uh, this topic today, you know, moving from the kind of the kind of suffering and despair that we experience uh, when we're in in active addiction, moving from that, to a life that truly is a life of freedom and joy um, through uh, being God-connected. That suffering and despair that we talk about is not only limited to the active addiction period. Certainly, it is there, but um, I, I have also found that even as I've walked the recovery path, you know, issues come up, things come up, and I, and I get to, I have the privilege of revisiting some of that uh, suffering and despair as I grow, even uh, years into recovery. So it's not as if there's a line in the sand in the, and that suffering and despair ends, you know, when we first set foot on the recovery path. It, it, it doesn't. It, it transmutes and it changes and it can be transformed, but it's still there. You know, and that, you remind me that uh, 
it doesn't always get better when we get into recovery. And my story is like that. I got into recovery still with most everything that I had intact. And then I started um, falling apart, mm. you know, and mine was more of an emotional bottom, psychological, emotional type of a thing. And, you know, I, I was told I had to have this higher power and I didn't, I know they were talking about God in my interpretation. And of course, that was the God of my ancestors, the God of my my um, uh, belief system from my childhood and that kind of thing. I didn't want any part of that. So how am I supposed to get connected to this thing? Yeah. You know, I mean, I'd had some limited exposure to organized religion, dropped off at Sunday school and things like that. Nothing ever connected for me. I could see that other people thought this was very important, but it didn't really have an impact on me at that point. Yeah, I think I also couldn't really see it, um, you know, I suppose just through the the reality of my, my uh, direct experience of the world. And, and certainly, you know, when, when we talk about what was it like before, when I think about uh, especially the final the final years of uh, active addiction for me and before I uh, got on a recovery path that really looking back on it, my life was very limited at that time. I know that in a way, uh, you know, drinking seemed to dissolve limitations, but at, at the end of the day, it, it was itself uh, a huge limitation. And, and I found that uh, I wasn't even really living, you know, just kind of existing. And, and that, you know, that's a quiet kind of suffering and despair. That's not like, you know, I've been in a car accident suffering and despair. That's a more quiet, persistent kind of... Um, Oh, I don't know, doldrums almost, or I, I, I sometimes have a mental image of a, a dark rain cloud, you know, following me around wherever I go and just sort of coloring all my whole experience. And it's not like I never felt good at all, uh, but compared to now, uh, it was almost like that, you know, it's such a night and day experience from before. But, you know, when I talk about being, uh, when I think about when I was in um, active addiction and the, and the suffering and despair then and in, and in early recovery, a lot of it showed up as just, you know, sort of feeling flat, you know, not, not really living life. Oh, I can identify with that. I remember more than one time prior to recovery that I got to a place in my life where I'm, I'm going, is that all there is? Is this all there is? You know, I, I didn't have the type of connection I felt was, was um, going to keep me anchored. I didn't have a spiritual life. I didn't have a recovery community. I didn't really have a community of any kind. I was a human doing, do, 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 all of this stuff, you know. And I was, and I knew something was wrong in my life. And of course, I couldn't identify that it was an addiction because I was too close to it for that. Mm -hmm. But I, I knew that I needed help, and so I became a self-help guru, you know, I mean, and back in the day, there was the self-help for the profession that I was in, you know, and, and, the, and the management profession, and how do you treat people, and I wasn't looking to improve myself until I ran into John Bradshaw, who was an early addiction um, family psychologist, and then I started to get this tiny glimmer that, oh, some of this resonates with me, but I knew that something needed to change. Yes. Isn't that so true how we are the last ones to know? I mean, it's just a joke. <laughs> I have to just smile 
and shake my head every time I hear that. I've, I've been on both sides of that fence. I certainly uh, had no concept of the depth of the uh, trouble I had gotten myself into uh, with drinking. And, you know, it's, it's almost sounds like a joke to say that, you know, man, my drinking got so bad, even I noticed I had a problem. And then, of course, <laughs> everyone laughed because I'm the last one to know that's for sure i also remember that during that time part of the despair for me was that i really could not quit you know i tried i remember trying about about six months before i actually got sober um i decided i got sober in the summer so it's like a new year's resolution like a january 1st thing said okay I'm, you know i need to take a break here i i need to i need to chill out with the drinking uh, i was a daily drinker uh, and so let me do that um, i made it four days for miserable days. Now, one reason that that was such a source of despair is because the the previous time when I had decided very similarly, yeah, I think I'm going to take a break. This this might, you know, it's not that healthy. Let me take a little break here. It had been like 5 years before, and I quit for a whole year. Now, quitting for a whole year told me I have I don't have any kind of problem. Obviously, I have no problem at all with alcohol if I can quit for a year. Well, yeah, good luck with that. That was just one of those tricks along the way. Five years later, I couldn't make it five days, you know, let alone a year. And so feeling that despair of not being able to quit and knowing that I couldn't quit, th that was not, uh, uh, that did not feel good. That was not a good place to be. You know, and so all of this leads for me to this place of needing to surrender, but to what, you know, and um, you know, we have all this suffering and despair and whether it's in active addiction or early recovery or even sometimes in later recovery, you know, there is a solution to that. And in unity, we affirm that there's this power and essence in the universe that's all good all the time. And we affirm that this power is the infinite and eternal source of all existence. Yeah, this is, in fact, the very first of our unity five core principles and it's a powerful statement about the nature of God. And so this principle states, there is only one presence and one power active in the universe and in my life, God the good, omnipotence. And we have found that this power and presence is the solution to the challenges of active addiction and to a fulfilling life of recovery. So what is this one presence and one power that the first unity principle is talking about? Oh, that is a good question. Uh, for me, what it means to, and, and, and I've, I have almost given up trying to define God. Uh, instead, what I find more helpful is to describe my experiences of what I call God, which I fully recognize might be very, very different than uh, what someone else calls God. You know, uh, earlier on, uh, in my, in my recovery journey, I think I, I was much, it seemed much more important to me to be able to define what God is and what God isn't. And of course, what that means is who's right and who's wrong mm -hmm. about uh, this whole God thing. And, and I found out somewhere along the line, and I'm very grateful for this, that that is really not helpful to me or anybody else. And so I've tend now to look at it as, well, you know, what is, what does living a God-connected life mean for me? And so what is that saying about the nature of God? And for me, having something reliable to return to 
at any moment in time and, and return to, you know, I'm thinking of a prayer and meditation and, and that doesn't have to mean sitting on a mountaintop in the lotus position, right? I can, I can take a, a, a moment and have a, a time of meditation as, as long as it takes me to make one breath, one inhale, one exhale. That's all I need um, just to reconnect. But having, having something reliable to return to is a big part of when we talk about higher power, that's what a higher power is to me, something that I can return to anytime, anywhere, without question, always available. You know, that, that really is an interesting question. You know, what what would you use to describe that? And when you said that, I'm thinking that for me, living a God-centered um, life is has to do with finding a source of direction and a reliable source of direction, a trustworthy source of direction. I spoke earlier about feeling unconnected and untethered and um, you know, all kinds of people will tell you what to do with your life in the world, but feeling connected to to some type of source of power that feels like it's right for me, that I can get direction from, you know, I think that that's what, for me, this living this God-connected life is. And it, it was a bit of a search to get there, which we'll talk about in a minute. Um, but, you know, it when they talk in the in recovery literature about spiritual awakening, I think that's what they're talking about when we come from this unawakened, unconnected, disconnected place to a connected place with a, a this power, this power that does for us what we could not do for ourselves. Yeah, one one thing I really love about unity, and and uh, we've talked before about how I, I had found, you know, stumbled into unity through happenstance. Um, some years before I got sober, although I did drift away from it, but uh, when it was time for me to get sober, I had had some exposure to it already. So it was something that I could return to. And I did. And one thing that I loved about it, and one thing that for me, living a God connected life means seeing God as we just described it as a presence and a power and as all good. So not so much as a super person or uh, uh, not so much as a being, uh, as much as those words say, definitely a power, most certainly an, an ever-presence, I like to say. God is everywhere always, uh, and always good all the time. So being able to see God in that way, and I understand that that can be a little nebulous, but I actually prefer that because... Um, I found that uh, my attempts to get detailed about uh, any kind of definition of God just end up going down a, a rabbit hole and leading nowhere helpful, that it's much better for me to focus on my experience of God than it is my definition of God. And I like that idea of God as a power and a presence. That is something that I can experience, and that, that makes it real for me. And I think there's many ways of experiencing that are there are humans yes. and probably probably sentient beings. And so, you know, I went through this stage where I thought somebody else had the answer and somebody else had my answer. Oh, do it this way. Oh, no, try that. You know, and uh, oh, you got to read this book or you got to pray in this manner. Um, or, you know, go to this many meetings or go see this this pastor or I mean, there's all kinds of ways that I was given suggestions in terms of how to connect with this presence and power. And it wasn't until I, I connected with unity and understood that that presence and power everywhere always means also within me. Yes. 
that then I could find a way to, to make that connection. Yeah, uh, that was also has been and continues to be key for me. Uh, even though today I can, I understand that idea and, and I can talk about it and language it, if you will, in uh, tradition, uh, traditional uh, uh, Christian forms and, and thereby find connections to it. That I came to it kind of the way you just described. This presence and this power is everywhere, including in me. And so if I want to encounter, you know, have a personal experience of this thing we call God, this presence and this power, I will do so within my own experience. That's not to say that God's not also in you and in every other person. That's also true. And it's not to say that God's not in the world in general. That's also true. But I'm not in another person and I'm not in the world in general. My experience is right here, right now within me. So that's where we overlap. Right. That's where God is and I am at the same time. So that's where I find and encounter God. One way I've been able to develop that ability is to uh, almost like playing a game, make a habit or a game out of looking for the good in everything. You know, somebody said something to me once that that really stuck about uh, about good and how can God be all good? And when I look around in the world, I see lots of things that I can't call good. Um, that's absolutely true. Even though I can't call everything good, what I have discovered is that there is good in everything. That doesn't mean everything's good. It means there's good in everything. So if that's true, I can see that, I can demonstrate that for myself by looking for the good in everything, and inevitably when I look for it, I find it. And so now for me, I know that it's true. There is good in everything, even things that I could never call good. In general, somewhere in there is something. That light of God is present in there somewhere, you know, as a healing kind of presence that can transform even the worst of circumstances. But in order to participate in that, I need to see it. And in order to see it, I need to look for it. So that's one way I've, you know, living a God-centered life means making a habit out of looking for God, looking for good in everything, everywhere. You know, and, and something you mentioned about um, the overlap within you. I recognize that my first several years of recovery were a real struggle because I was so disconnected from myself. You know, I was disconnected from my emotions. I didn't want to have them. I was disconnected from my mental processes because they told me I was crazy, you know, and I was disconnected from my physical self because of, um, you know, just shutting down the, the physical feelings that I didn't want to have. And so, part of this journey, I think there's a reason that this this connectedness comes in step 11 and 12 in the 12-step programs is because you got to get some of that other stuff out of the way first in order to recognize that there's this overlap and to be able to connect with this presence, whatever it may be within you and yourself. And you know, the interesting thing is, is that we can't see ourselves change, but other people can. Yeah. And, you know, I would hear people, I would hear my sponsor in particular would say to me things like, you're doing great. You're just where you're supposed to be. You know, you look at how much progress you've made. And I'm going, I can't see it. 
you know, but but it's described in the literature as being this spiritual awakening as being a, a new state of consciousness and a change in emotions, ideas, and attitudes. And so when that starts to change, like maybe all my feelings aren't bad mm. and maybe I don't have to, to disconnect from my body, you know, maybe I can stay present and think the thoughts I'm having and decide to make changes in them, then um, there's an opportunity for a, a change. Yeah, that's absolutely true. And in, in that I the what you're sharing that, of course, it's very hard for us to see uh, the, the small changes in ourselves. And I've noticed that, say, even with my kids, you know, when I'm around my kids just about every day, and so I don't see them growing so much, although they obviously have. But if I'm apart from them, even for a week, which is not very long in the scheme of things, uh, when I'm back with them, I feel like, wow, they really changed and grew even in that week. And so that's a perspective, say, that our sponsor, like you said, our sponsor would have, um, that's very hard for us to have um, for ourselves. But fortunately, I mean, that, that that's one, one of many good reasons that we would have a sponsor or have a community and to see ourselves change or to... Um, you know, I've had the experience of being in a in a community meeting, and uh, somebody new comes in the room, and and they share, and then all of a sudden I have just like this flash of um, perspectives. Like, wow, I used to. That's exactly how I felt. The person described so clearly. Um, I remember what that was like, and wow. But now it's a little different. So obviously something is changing here, and something is working. One other way I wanted to say that uh, living a God-connected life and that that we learn in the community, in the recovery communities, just like I make a habit of looking for the good, we make a habit of looking for and moving into the solution, right? That That's a habit to develop that allows me not to stay stuck in a way, but rather to, and we do that each time we do uh, one of our Spirit of Recovery shows. Uh, we talk about, you know, what was like, and then we talk about moving into the solution. And I found that to be um, a good uh, habit to develop and one way, that is a way, that I lead what I think of as a God-centered life. You know, and for me, I find that it's it's kind of like I'm standing in a hole. I always have to stop doing something. I have to stop digging the hole before I can start doing something. You know, to live a God-centered, a God-connected life, I had to stop alienating myself from community. I had to stop being too busy to go to meetings or go to church or participate in small groups. I had to stop with the negative thinking. You know, I had to stop looking, declaring everything bad you know, some of the things that you've already spoken to, but it's like I couldn't even get to neutral ground in many ways. You know, I had to stop doing something before I could be still long enough to say, what do I need to do now? You know, how can I move forward now? Where can I find this connection that I'm seeking? Yeah, it's it's like um, I'm sort of having a mental image. We have to create an opening, right? There has to be a mm -hmm. space for something to move into, which is, of course, the very core of our uh, unity denial and affirmation tool, which we'll be doing a little bit later. Uh, in essence, it says that if I want to sh shift, if I want to change my life, I have to change my consciousness. And to change my consciousness, I need to get rid of something and make a space for something new to come on in. So we're going to hold that thought at that point because it's time for a short break. 
And so when we come back, we're going to open the phone lines for callers and we'll continue our conversation. We're talking about a God-centered life today. The number is 816-251-3555. Please stay with us. Greetings, friends. I'm Jim Blake, CEO of Unity World Headquarters. From all of us at Unity Village, we wish you a joyous and blessed holiday season. May this time of year for you be filled with magic, miracles, and unending peace. Namaste. Unity Online Radio is bringing the message of unity to thousands of spiritual seekers around the world. If you enjoy our programming, we invite you to support it by visiting unityonlineradio.org and clicking on Donate Now. Help us continue to provide inspiring content to everyone. Thank you for your support. Here's a Unity Mindful Moment with Catherine Ponder, taken from a classic talk called The Prosperous Truth, recorded at Unity of Austin in 1991. God is extravagant supply. Get that, extravagant. God is extravagant supply. He brings forth the best robe. He spreads a banquet table, as we saw last night, with good things on which we may feast. He overflows our cup. He opens the windows of heaven and pours out a blessing. And then this is what that Unity Correspondence Course said. Why are you satisfied with such meager living when you may have so much? To find out more about Unity teachings, visit unity.org. I'm Rev. Linda Martellowitza with Silent Unity. While the holiday season is a time of joy, it can also be a time of sorrow or loneliness. Silent Unity, our 24-hour affirmative prayer ministry, is here for you. We pray with everyone, including and beyond all faith traditions. Call 816-969-2000, and a prayer associate will answer your call and pray with you, then keep you in continuous prayer for 30 days. Call today or reach us through the YouPray app. Happy Holy Holidays. What if you could start each day with a positive outlook, remembering you are a divine expression of God? Daily Word is a booklet of daily devotionals offering positivity that's downright contagious. With a print subscription or by email, you can pause to reflect on how to practice spirituality in your human experience. Reading Daily Word takes about a minute a day, so you can feel uplifted every morning. Visit dailyword.com to subscribe. Enroll in the Mystery School with Maggie Whitehouse every Monday at 2 p.m. Central. Based in the U.K., Maggie is a maverick priest, comedian, and writer that'll introduce you to all things mystical. Join in the conversation with some fascinating guests and explore topics like Kabbalah, the divine feminine, shamanism, and a lot more. Explore some new ideas and provocative topics, all delivered with a sense of humor. Check out our online schedule or get the podcast on demand here on unityonlineradio.org. Call now with your question or comment. 816-251-3555. That's 816-251-3555. 
Welcome back to Spirit of Recovery with Rev. Lonnie Vanderslice and Rev. Dan Beckett. Welcome back to Spirit of Recovery. We're glad you're with us today. And if you're just joining us, my name is Rev. Lonnie Vanderslice, and I'm here today with Rev. Dan Beckett. We're going to resume our discussion in a moment, but first we want to let you know that we're opening the lines for callers. So if you have a question or a comment to share, please give us a call at 816-251-3555. Again, the number is 816-251-3555. So prior to the break, we were discussing this concept of a God-centered life or God-connected life and why we why we need one. And so, you know, we've, we've found that the challenge is the suffering and despair of adapt, active addiction and early recovery, and that the solution is this God-connected, God-centered life. Dan, exactly how does one live such a life, and what does doing so, how does that lead us to freedom and joy? What a great question. I feel like I might have a few small answers to that. I don't feel like I have a, a one large earth-shattering answer. And the reason, I believe, uh, is is tied to kind of one you know one of the most basic uh, approaches that we have in unity, which is not that I can stand or sit here and tell you about God as much as I can tell you how I have experienced God and maybe some ways that if you, if you did them that you could experience God too. And so answering big questions like this can be a little bit tricky. But let me share one way that. Uh, a God-connected life, and I do now lead a God-centered or God-connected life, how such a life has helped me find freedom and joy in recovery in one way is that my um, my regular prayer practice uh, helps me remember what's important in life. You know, what what is what matters more than what? Uh, to look for the good instead of to worry about things. Um, it's important to stay connected to God as I understand God. It's important to stay connected to people around me, and uh, especially, and of course, people who are also in recovery is important. But when I take a few minutes each day, or nowadays is more than a few minutes, for my uh, formal meditation practice, um, that's a way that keeps me centered on my experience of God, which could be different than yours and other people's, uh, but keeps me centered on my experience of God. And through that, uh, in it reminding me of, you know, w- what are the good habits, look for the good, um, things like that, r- reminding me what's important. And that helps me to, you know, f- not only just find, but to hang on to, to keep experiencing uh, the freedom and joy that I have found in recovery over time. You know, that look for the good, I think, is such a powerful tool. Um, I, I hit a place when I was three years into recovery, I remember so well, because it was another bottom. Um, I had been doing everything I was told to do. I had a sponsor. I had been through the steps. I was working with others. I was going to all these meetings. You know, I was in, engaged with my church community. I was, quote, doing unquote, everything that I was uh, supposed to do to have this joyous, uh, happy, and free life. And it was not like that. Mm. And um, and it, it, as it turns out, and in retrospect, I can say this, I was trying to earn recovery. You know, I mean, I was not, uh, I was trying, if I check all the boxes, if I do all the things, I had not had a consciousness change. You know, I was in essence, 
just just trying to earn my recovery, you know, as a, as opposed to actually having a connection with a higher power and and, um, you know, feeling a connectedness that would have a change of consciousness. I can change my behavior. Anybody can change your behavior for a little while, you know, but I finally hit that place where I'm doing everything you said I should do. How come it's not working for me? And that was the point at which I was given the instruction to to look for good. You know, quit looking in all the books because I was a bookworm, mm. you know, quit talking to all these people who are trying to tell you how to do it their way and start just becoming aware in your daily life where God shows up and, and answer this question. How did God show up for you today? Where did you find God? Look for the good. It's so simple, too, because as you say that and, and I think about it in my mind, I answer your question, um, it's just in the simplest of things. That's one reason that I found our, um, you know, the, the practice that we have in recovery and, and certainly applies to life in general of, of making a gratitude list, right? We're purposely choosing to look for the good and to, um, for, you know, just not just think about it, but formalize it, write it down. That has both been the most irritating suggestion that's ever been made to me. So annoying because right about the time where that's a really good idea, you know, that my friend or sponsor can see that uh, right about that time is the time where I'm sort of so stuck in being uh, angry or, um, you know, negative or whatever that that the suggestion of making a gratitude list is really annoying. So not only, uh, or at the same time, it can be super frustrating to hear that. It is, it, if I had to point at one tool that's changed my life more than anything, it's probably that. Because when I when I look for the good, when I'm making a gratitude list, things to be grateful for, I'm looking for good in small and large ways. You know, I used to think they had to all be large ways. And then I figured out it's a lot easier to make a list of 100 if I pick little things. You know, I, I can look at my desk right now and probably say 15 things that I'm grateful for that are right in front of me. And so it's really not that hard to make a list of, say, 100, which is the instructions I had been given. But when I look for the good around me, even in the smallest ways, and when I look for good in other people, what it does that even when I'm not aware of it is that it helps me to see the good in myself and it helps me to see the good in the world in general. And that is, has been just such a powerful source of change because once I can get in that space, um, I feel like that that's kind of, you know, some kind of turbocharger for consciousness shifting is to be in that, um, that generally, you know, light feeling space of gratitude and everything becomes okay, even when a half hour before it was not okay. It always reminds me of that saying that I've heard that I encountered on a bumper sticker at church, though it's not a unity thing, but we can use it. Uh, angels can fly because they take themselves lightly. So true. And so that uh, reminds me, you know, that the, the step prior to what you said, the gratitude list, I have to have willingness, mm. you know, and that's um, uh, one of the earlier spiritual principles that shows up in the, in the step work and in any spiritual development path. But I can be given all these great suggestions. And if I'm not willing to put some action to it, nothing happens for me. And as I just shared, even if I put action to it, and not in the right mindset, nothing happens for me. So, you know, um, my my experience with getting connected, with becoming aware, starts with looking for the good, and then it is becoming willing to trust that, 
trust the guidance, trust the intuition, trust the the um, the experience, the coincidence, whatever it is that shows up. When I'm looking for the good, then I'm going, oh, I wonder if that was God, hmm. <laughs> you know, and and it's not quite as simple as that these days because I don't take that literally. But I, I look for the energy of good as it as it flows through my life. And as I mentioned earlier, I have to stop doing some things. I have to stop resisting it in order for that to happen. And so I had to to do some similar things. I had to set aside time. To, to actually focus, to put some attention on these practices that I was developing, not just setting aside five minutes going, okay, that's done, but to bring that consciousness into my daily life with me. Um, you know, and I, and I tried new things. When I didn't feel like I got connected up, I did try some of those other suggestions. You know, I tried some other faith traditions. I tried some other rituals, um, you know, and, and I could see that people had faith in those and that they trusted those and that they received some guidance from those. It didn't work that way for me, but that did not negate their experience. And so I kept the hope that there was an experience of connection for me someplace. And as I mentioned, I didn't find it until I found unity. What you're saying is reminding me a little bit of our, um, you know, one of our core ideas that we call the law of mind action that, you know, where, which just means that kind of wherever my mind goes or whatever thoughts that I'm carrying predominantly in my mind, that's what I'm going to find more of. And um, I could go through the motions of um, some of these suggestions. And yeah, while I might find some good in it, I mean, it, I'm not going to say that it's not helpful because it can help kind of chip away at the iceberg, so to speak. But if I'm not really willing, as you're saying, if I'm not really willing to um, undertake these with some earnestness, you know, and, and let go of, um, you know, uh, my, uh, if I carry a jaded or a snarky, you know, view, or if I'm sarcastic or whatever, um, in, in the way that I'm looking at the world, if, if I'm, if I can even let go of that for a few moments and be willing to take a practice seriously, like a, you know, could be a, meditation practice or a, just going to a meeting as a, you know, going to meetings can be seen as a practice or um, some kind of prayer or making a gratitude list is a practice. Uh, if I can, if I can find the, the willingness, then, then those things sort of seem to turn into almost like super tools. You know, they, they work so, they work a, a multiple of times better uh, when I approach them with an open mind, with some willingness, with a positive attitude. And and I guess also with honesty. You know, we're talking about our WHO uh, letters again, willingness, uh, honesty, and open-mindedness. When I use these tools in those ways, man, it, it's like they go into turbo mode and, and things really begin to change. Now, I know for me, I might have a wonderful feeling experience where I did that one afternoon and the next morning I feel miserable again. And I could think, well, you know, obviously that didn't work because look how I feel now, but I, I didn't do that. I stayed in touch with people who had been down this road before me. And, and instead of saying, well, it didn't work. Look where I am now. Look what a great, at, you know, look what a great experience I had yesterday. I want more of that. How did what did I do 
Um, how did I approach things? How did I see things differently in order to have that experience? Let me see if I can do some more of that and have that experience more regularly. So yeah, that willingness that you're pointing at, and nothing's really going to happen unless I um, can find a way to be willing to be serious at least a little bit um, about undertaking any of these things that we're talking about that will transform our consciousness. Any of these things that um, one does you know, when we lead what we call a God-centered life, um, we're doing certain things as a habit. Any of those things um, can be quite powerful if I've cleared the space and can, I, I don't know, maybe take it seriously. I'm not sure. How would you how would you characterize having willingness? Part of me wants to say, well, if I have willingness, then I'm taking it seriously. And if I don't, maybe I'm not. I'm not sure. Well, for me, willingness might be 51%. <laughs> You know, I, I see layers to it. I see, uh, oh, I have to be open to a new idea. Oh, that's interesting. Well, oh, you mean I need to try that new idea? Well, but I have all these reservations. I'm not certain about that. But okay, you say it'll work. I'll give it a shot. And I think I get the results. When I take action, I get the results that equal my willingness. If I'm 51% oh. willing, I get about 51% return. You know, if I'm 99% willing, I think I get a much higher return on, on my effort. And I don't like to think of it as transactions, you know, transactional in that way. But, you know, I think that, that, um, all of the spiritual principles that we talk about that are the tools of the spiritual programs that we're in, um, are, they all work that way. We have to have the willingness to apply them. We have to have the willingness to, to put action to them. We have to have the awareness when we're doing it and when we're not doing it. Um, you know, and, and when we're stuck. And I think all of that, for me, <laughs> as they say in the recovery literature, it's of the educational variety. Oh, you mean I'm not willing? Okay. You know, that was one of the, the biggest uh, impacts. I still remember it. I was miserable. I was, I think I was in counseling prior to me getting clean and sober. And I was just, just really in a, a basket case. And, and one of the counselors looked at me and said, you are so willing and I pondered on that for weeks afterwards. I'm willing. I am. You know, I am. I don't know that I'm willing. I don't like this. I don't want to do this. I am, <laughs> you know, but that's what started the ball rolling down the hill. Wow. Maybe you were grudgingly willing. Yeah. Maybe it's so. possible to be grudgingly willing. Maybe whatever modifiers we put ahead of it, it's still willing of yes. some, in some form or other. Um, I'm, I'm thinking of another way that, uh, you know, living a God-centered life does help me to find freedom and joy in recovery. And and one is that um, there's just plain more opportunity, you know, options, choice, and that one of the gifts of recovery has been uh, a greatly increased ability to connect with others. And connecting with others just naturally creates opportunity. And when I think about freedom and joy in my life, th those things come about, um, you know, not completely, but uh, at least in part um, through the options that I have, through the choice. You know, addiction is at its root a lack of choice. And, and by walking a recovery path, I slowly recover my ability to choose. And choice creates uh, options and opportunities, and connecting with other people creates opportunities. And you know, this whole environment of uh, possibility, of um, 
opportunity and a joyous way of looking at things, you know, looking for the good. Well, what, what would happen if I look for the good in every opportunity that comes my way? Oh, well, according to the law of mind action, I'm probably going to experience more opportunities and I'm going to see them all as better. I mean, you can see how that has that sort of positive, almost uh, snowball effect of uh, creating more and more freedom and joy when, um, I'm looking at it in that way when I'm grateful for opportunities because I see the good in them when I'm connected with others and more opportunities are coming up. So that's one way that that leading a God connected life has helped me find freedom and joy is because being God connected helps me to be connected with others and being connected with the others just in my experience, even as someone who, uh, you know, has always been introverted and really spent a lot of energy trying to figure out how to do things where I didn't have to interact with others, um, being connected with the others, just like a wellspring of, um, opportunities that when I approach it, uh, in that sort of through that God, those God lenses, you know, seeing it through God glasses, if you will, um, all kinds of good stuff comes out of it. I think that's a really excellent point about connection. Um, and I came to this kind of slowly, but, you know, as the energy of God circulating in the world, I needed um, something a little more tangible to hold on to. That's a great idea. And I had trouble figuring out how, you know, how it was going to connect with me in that way. But when I realized that, you know, God is all present, all powerful, everywhere present, and that means in other people as well as me, then anytime I interact with somebody else, I had that opportunity to touch the energy of God, if you will. And and I feel like when we have, um, you know, I'm kind of into this social justice thing. And when, when we have social capital exchanges, which is what you're talking about, people overlapping with people, overlapping with people and all the different energies that we bring into it and the different perspectives and the, and the multiplication of the opportunities that show up, I have to feel like God has a finger in that, so to speak. Absolutely. And, and, and I'm glad you said that because... Um, I had not connected it uh, with the, some of those kinds of things that you're doing, but it's absolutely true because I know, like for me, a something that feels like it's just a you know it's a matter of course, it's no big deal, uh, it takes no effort on my part, can be really life changing for somebody else. It's like, oh, you're interested in um, you know whatever ministerial school. Hey, I know a lot of people that did that. Let, you know, let me give you some names. If you talk to these people about it, they'll be able to, you know, tell you uh, what they did. And that can just completely change someone's life where for me, it's like, oh, I'm just going to give them Lonnie's number. You know, it's, it's like, it's a very low effort kind of thing from where I sit, but for somebody else, it can be life-changing. And that goes the other way too. I mean, there might be something that could really be a big, big deal for me in supporting me in a new initiative that I'm making, or if I have a new idea, a new growth direction, uh, or what have you, um, then the, you might know someone or have an idea or have an experience that's just no big deal for you, but you mentioned it to me, we make that connection. Now, all of a sudden it's like, you know, fueled my fire, even though, uh, there was, you know, if, practically no cost, if you will, for you. It's weird how the, 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 a great deal of energy can be created in me with seemingly just the slightest little spark from somebody else and vice versa. It's so cool. Well, and I think that is exactly 
how sponsorship and mentoring and other types of activities like that do that as we share how it how it worked for us what is it we did it creates that spark in somebody else that starts with oh well maybe i can do that too and then goes into what you shared earlier oh that's exactly how i feel you know and then moves into a solution and at least that for me was the path that i i arrived into a place where i was interested in having a God-connected life was through the experiences of other people that they were willing to share with me. And I, I had a one sponsor that said to me, I don't have any experience with that. You need to talk to so-and-so. And she gave me two or three names. And I thought a very appropriate referral, you know, for the situation that I was dealing with. She didn't try to handle it. She just said, I don't have any experience with that. Go talk to these people. They do, which is like you were saying, they, it it kept me on the path. It got me new opportunities. It opened some doors. Um, and as we know, <laughs> with prosperity, as Charles Fillmore says, prosperity is in your ideas, in the divine ideas. Mm -hmm. And for me, that is in this infinite field of possibility, that is how these evolve. I love that phrase you just used, infinite field of possibility. In fact, I've heard people use that as almost like a definition for God. I mean, I, I think it's not uh, captured the allness of God, perhaps, but I think that it brings in a really powerful aspect. And what it's reminding me of is that this is an affirmation that that is really um, become important to me recently. And it's not because of anything particular that's going on in my life. It's just that um, it's it's almost as if my, you know, my my spiritual growth, my recovery path, all the work that I'm doing, uh, interacting with others, being part of community, being part of spiritual community, is all bringing me to this idea that my best days are ahead of me. And I've said this in different contexts, and sometimes people hear that and they think, you know, they look like they think, are you nuts? You know, how can you possibly say that? You don't know that that's true. And I understand that they're coming at it as if, as if I have secret access to the book of life and I'm reading pages ahead, right? It's like, oh, I already know what's going to happen. I know the author and they sent me a, a pre-review copy. And so I already know what's going to happen. That's not how it is at all. I'm not saying that I can predict the future. What I'm saying is that when I lead a life that truly is God-centered, I can affirm with great confidence that my best days are ahead of me almost by definition. It, it's true because I say it's true. It's true because I'm leading a God-centered life and nothing but good can come out of it. I'm not saying that challenging things aren't going to happen, right? I'm not saying that I know what's going to happen. I'm just affirming I know how I'm going to experience life. I'm getting better and better at seeing the good, better and better at connecting with others, better and better at putting people together so that they can help one another, even if there's nothing in it for me at all. You know, all these little things that we do, that we learn in recovery, you start doing them on a regular basis, prayer and meditation, all, you know, the list goes on. That is a recipe for a wonderful life. And I know that that's true. So that's why I can affirm that my best days are ahead of me. And I think that that can be true for anyone who decides that it's true. And it's just such a powerful uh, affirmation. It's just really come up strongly for me lately. And, uh, and I love it. You know, you remind me of the power of faith. Because that's what I'm hearing you speak to is, is the faith. Um, you have decided to point your faith in a particular direction, and you know 
without a doubt that that's going to work. Yeah, follow follow the recipe for a chocolate cake, and guess what you're going to get? A chocolate yes. cake. So right. now let's shift gears and move into action. Because our unity's fifth principle states that it's not enough to know these truths, we must live them. That means we must each take action in order to grow and recover. So here's something you can do this week, even right now, to move uh, from that misery that's created by a life of addiction to a life of freedom and joy through living a God-centered life. Think of one aspect of your life that you would like to transform. Maybe there's something that causes you pain that you'd like to heal. Or maybe it's an old way of thinking. Perhaps you want to be more positive or optimistic in your outlook. Or maybe you want to appreciate people more. What's important here is to just choose one thing, preferably something simple to focus on. And we take that into a quiet time of prayer and meditation. We literally simply relax and take it easy. There's really nothing to do, no need to struggle. So as an example, let's use seeing the good in life as an example. So the first thing we do is we use a statement of power or what we refer to in unity as a denial to deny any power to this old habit of negativity. You could say something like, this habit of negativity is not the truth of who I am. Repeat it a few times in your head or aloud and say it with conviction. This habit of negativity is not the truth of who I am. And follow that up immediately with a bold and positive affirmation of a new experience. So you could say, I'm an expression of the love and acceptance of God. I look for and see the good in all things. So then take a few quiet moments and just relax and take it easy. Just let it soak in. Give thanks for your new experience in the world and move on with your day. This habit of negativity is not the truth of who I am. I am an expression of the love and acceptance of God. So we've come to the end of our time together here today, and we hope you found something to help you on your recovery path. And we both bless you on your journey. Thank you, listeners and callers, and thank you, Reverend Dan Beckett, for the insights we shared in our discussion today. And listeners, if you would like, you can connect with us on our Facebook page, Spirit of Recovery, and give us your thoughts and feedback. And Unity Online Radio goes into replay mode for the holidays starting next week, December 17th. 2018 for three weeks it's the perfect time to catch up on the episodes you missed and we'll be back with you live on tuesday january 8th 2019 to start the year with a clean slate thank you for listening to unity online radio the voice of an awakening world I'm Rachel Corpus, an angel communicator, psychic medium, and host of the Angel Talk podcast. This show is meant to help you remember who you are, a limitless being with shoes and socks on. And along the way, we'll connect to people on the other side and experts in the field like authors, healers, animal communicators, and more. Listen to all my shows at Mind, Body, Spirit FM or wherever you get your podcasts.